Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey everyone, Red Man Originals podcast time with me, Paul Machen, Chris Page, Chloe Bloxham, Dan Clow, back together in the room, um, in body, if not necessarily in spirit in some ways, but here we are. Um, Chris, looking resplendent in green today, for those of you uh, just listening on the podcast. Didn't get I'm, only wearing the the sh- I'm only wearing the shirt to cover up the kids' tattoos I've got on my arm, little sticker tattoos. Spider-Man, two of. I was at a kids' party. Got to get involved. <laughs> <laughs> Got to get involved, haven't you? I was bored on the weekend. No, yeah. sorry, kids' party. I was at a kids' party. Um, it's yeah. still true. Is this, a, is this a Christmas shirt? No, just a shirt. I really like it, but I had to iron it the other day, and ironing corduroy shirts is a pain in the ass. Wow. So, yeah, this might be the one and only time it ever makes me. It's like a piece of lost information, because I don't think anyone's had a corduroy shirt since, like, the 70s. Oh, so. I know. Did you ask you? It, should come, Dad. A, it <laughs> should come with a warning. <laughs> did you have to add it inside out? That make it easier. I didn't, didn't think not about try that. Did you? that no. It's, is it? It's, it's that, either on the other side. So it would have been easier to iron. Yeah. On the inside. Well, I'll tell her next time. <laughs> we should have been ironing a lot today, haven't we? Ironing's been a hot topic today in this oh, office. Topic, yeah, 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 absolutely. It's been a busy. It's been a busy all day. <laughs> um, right, yeah, we're going to be talking about uh, the last match, of course, Liverpool won a game of football, which was. Uh, Absolutely splendid. Uh, I don't know why I've written as Bournemouth in the agenda, but there you go. Um, the um, We will discuss that in a moment. But before we dive into it, we've got tickets on sale. Uh, we are going on tour. Is it technically? It's technically a tour, right? Because we go to two it's different. Definitely a tour. We go to two different countries. It's a mini. Tour. Yeah, we're going to Belfast and we're going to the Republic of Ireland in March. And um, tickets are on sale right now. If you go to at the Redmen TV. And check out our Twitter account, the details will be on there. Or if you go on uh, ticketmaster.ie uh, and search Redmen TV, you'll find them on there as well. The hottest tickets in town in March. Um, they're absolutely flying as well. Every time we do live events, like when we, when we build a massive fear thing. I, yeah, I literally scares the living shit out of me doing live events because like, I don't know whether people actually like us or not. I know we get numbers on YouTube and all that kind of stuff. And we've got subscribers and that should validate being a validation, but live's different. And every time we do, you know, we do always go well and every time we do the live events I have the best time in life and they're, they're always absolutely absolutely belter um, so I'm, I'm amazed just straight off the bat no stress these have absolutely flown it's so. like a quarter of them have gone or something yeah. already which is crazy when we're four months away yeah and we've only just used open sales as well so yes uh, if you fancy giving yourself a Christmas treat uh, or booking something for a loved one or telling a loved one you know we all have that someone goes what do you want and you go oh, I don't know if you want Redmen tickets, you can say Redmen tickets, uh, and you can come and join us in Belfast uh, or in the Republic of Ireland in in, uh, in Dublin. Yeah, yeah. So join us over there. Um, right. 
Shall we? Yes. Not Liverpool 3, Bournemouth 0. Liverpool mm. 3, Brentford? Yeah, it was definitely Brentford. <laughs> Honestly, I have this thing where there's like a little... I mean, there's, there's definitely like a, a kit issue here as well, which is which is feeding into this, and a B issue. But there are, there are a mush of football clubs that are, you could honestly swap the managers over, and I'd be like... A mush of football clubs? Yeah. That's brilliant, in a yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm not not great for fans of those particular football <laughs> no. clubs, mind. Um, Parliament of Owls. Is yeah. Like. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, Pajak, uh, nine players out made the substitute bench of it made for interesting reading to say the very least it did and thankfully we didn't need to make loads and loads of changes did we because we actually played really well and just it was just such a professional performance from Liverpool and you know going into that game I was kind of wondering what we were going to see I suppose because you know off the back of Luton and Toulouse there's there's a feeling like around that like you just can't let this happen and actually I think there was a the the atmosphere, although it was really good in the cop um, the other day, there was a nervousness, I think, to the cop at the same time, and probably the rest of the ground, which kind of borne itself out in the Allison turning round after after he played a, a pass over to Timacast, which was almost cut out, and then he's literally screaming at the cop and stuff, and that was a nervousness built on the back of this week because I think you know we're, we're talking about in this show whether Liverpool can be genuine title contenders this season and I think there's so much I think so many people believe that we can that every game seems to be massively important at the moment and there's a fear there isn't there that comes with thinking that you can do something special and not wanting to be out of the race before it started anyone else feel like that? a little bit yeah I think we're all starting to get a little bit excited and although it's sort of the staging part of the season whereby everyone's trying to work out where they're at and nobody's really sort of headed for home just yet and it's quite a long way away from doing that yet of course but I think the Liverpool fan base generally have just started to think do you know what anything's possible with this side and then we come off the back of those two dodgy results and pretty poor performances and you go actually hang on so we were desperate to sort of see us bounce back from that so there was that nervousness added into it I think the nervousness as much in this game Chloe comes from that thing of yeah you know okay, a little bit more wary now after the week that had gone before but with City coming after the international break, you want that game to matter. And there's a world, obviously we had no idea how the City result was going to go. And we're going to be discussing that in more detail on the Bias pod uh, after this show. But, you know, we didn't want to get to a position where that City game didn't matter. Or if you then lose it, that's it. It's basically, it's not season over, but you can't, you wouldn't want to be in a position where you're six or nine points behind Man City and starting to think, well, well, there you go. It's impossible to win the title. It's November. Where do we draw our attentions? You want to be able to keep it alive. And I think there was certainly an element of that in the fans. I don't think it really, I don't I think I really saw it in Liverpool's performance. It was ultimately pretty assured. Yeah, the Reds just got the the, the job done um, and it was mainly for the atmosphere around the club. Look, we've, we know um, how much we want this Liverpool side to t- challenge for titles. We want Jürgen Klopp to challenge for titles because it's still, even though he's got a couple of years left, it still does feel like we've got to get the most out of this because who knows what happens when Jürgen Klopp leaves Liverpool. Um, oh, Chloe, why sorry. are you doing this to me? I'm sorry, just feeling good about it. things and you're starting um, to think about the future after Jürgen. <laughs> this is not good for my mental health. No, uh, but the, it was it was important that the atmosphere changed because we were all a little bit down and especially with dropping points to Luton, that was one of the big things it's how can you win a title but drop points away to Luton like when everyone else was battering even United beat them exactly Um, but the Reds came they got the job done and 
ultimately that's that's all you needed to do. And like you mentioned, with City after the international break, we needed something to go off. We needed to make sure we had a bounce to go into it. Um, we also needed to make sure that no matter the outcome of that City game, it's not the be-all and end-all. It's not the end of the title challenge. It's you're there or thereabouts no matter what happens. Um, and City, look, the, the, the teams at the top, they are dropping points. Not as, you know, it's you're still going to be probably at least 80 points, 85 points to win at minimum. But, you know, there are teams you can, like Aston Villa can take points off any of the top four. Mm. Uh, Arsenal, Chelsea, Spurs. Um, I don't want to say Man United because I don't actually think they can. Um, but there are teams there, even Brentford, who can cause problems. Um, so, yeah, it was very important to go into that City game and not make it a be-all and end-all. Yeah, just on the game itself then, Chris, uh, Gakpuk starting in midfield. It was an interesting one, I think. I don't know if there was Sam Walker talking to us about it. I certainly heard someone talking about it when we were before, in the hours before the game and the idea of they're a big set of lads, Brentford. And I wonder whether that was one of the major sort of reasons behind putting him in midfield. You know, Elliot's on the bench. We have tons of options. Um, but at least when you've, you realise it all of a sudden that you look at, we've got a team of giants. When Gak- when you put Gakpo in midfield, and I know we could have put Graven, you know, Gravenberts available, he'd be the same. But yeah, with him and Sobersly, and then you've got Darwin Nunes in there as well. You're like... That that that's that's some heavy boys. It could there? be. I mean, I must admit, I think the the reason we haven't is because whenever we've played Harvey Elliott and Sobersly, Sobersly's ended up on the other side. Yeah. And I think yeah, for me, Jürgen <coughs> probably wants Sobersly in his in his rightful place. Moreover, than the, the, you know the height of the players and stuff. Now, as it turned out, you know. I think the midfield worked reasonably well um, together. I think Sobersly, again, a little bit quieter than what we've seen, but the introduction of Endo into that game, I thought he was absolutely superb at the weekend and, you know, really give us a platform to go and build from and stuff. And I think for me, Liverpool's patience, although it's done my head in at times over the last seven days, it was their patience that really... May give them the foundation to go and win that game, not losing the Reds. You know, yeah. I think that when it comes down to, I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. I think it was. I think the away form is what needs addressing at the moment. We are absolutely brilliant at home. You know, we've. We, I think we've won every game at home, haven't yeah. we, in the league? Yeah. yeah. So, um, obviously, the away forms where we need to, uh, you know, arrest the slide almost. Yeah, it's interesting. Now we'll definitely pick up on that because I think a lot of people have got that as their main point around a, a title chance. We'll do that in part two, but. Um, yeah, the midfield was fine, Chloe, and that was that was it. It was it was a decision that had to be made. There weren't too many decisions. We were left with Diaz and Elliot effectively as your as your subs. There you guys are your game changers left on the bench. You know, we could have done it the other way round, and I don't think it would have made a wouldn't have necessarily been a bad thing. Elliot and, and Diaz could have started. You could have benched Jota. Ultimately it probably would have proved to be a bad idea because Jota I thought Jota was boss. But it um it was interesting because We've had better play, more and better players available. And actually, despite that, it was nice that it wasn't an excuse. You know, it was nice that it was a good like it was a good experience for some of the young players to be on the bench. You see Trey Naomi, uh, you know, tweeting about it, you know, being an unforgettable moment and all that kind of stuff. Um, it kind of goes to show that we were we were pro- we were probably just about a breaking point there. You take another one or two out of there, and I think we're in a real struggle. But for that being the final game before the international break, you can you can go, okay, cool. 
let's just ride this out at Anfield, as Chris says. It was, I think they handled the whole thing pretty well, all told. Yeah, they did. And I, I was actually impressed with Gakpo. Look, he's had some time moments so far this season, um, including that Toulouse game where he just seemed non-existent for pretty much the entire time he was on the pitch. And I actually thought, you know, he was the one he was creating from midfield. Um, on the half turn, he had a couple of nice, uh, you know, t- one-two touches with Darwin. Uh, I think very early on in the game, he sets Darwin. Darwin sets him back. He takes a shot from the edge the area um, but he, he, he looked more up for it as well you had Endo who you know he, he was better than, than he usually is I thought he was quite good to be honest um, he wasn't perfect he wasn't brilliant he wasn't outstanding but he was he was good enough on the day um, and then Sabo just seemed like you know he, his pressure once again it, it comes to me in the second half he's, he's on the right side of our midfield and yet he's pressing their, uh, their right back and yeah. it's like what he and he wins us the ball he wins us the threat and then he just walks back over to his part and his job's done. Um, so yeah, we were we were really really good without being outstanding. We weren't in you know we didn't have to get out of second gear or anything. We were just very very professional. Um, and defensively, I thought we were brilliant. I thought Virgil Van Dijk is back to his best. Honestly, um, he was immense as well. So yeah, um, I really liked the the mentality going into that game. Um, and I liked the midfield as well. It was it was sound. It was a good overall performance. The Van Dijk was interesting because watching it back, um. The bit the one that he, he doesn't quite clear off the line, does he? But he, you know, he he really deals with towards mm. the goal line. Just that's laughing. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, and I felt like a, a player who's actually enjoying his football. He didn't look cheesed off at the idea. And you know, we've often said, is he a Gerard like captain who just looks dead pissed off with everything going on around him when it's not going well? And he definitely has a little bit of that. But you know, he just felt like someone who who, who flexed Dan on the day. Yeah. Like he, he stretched himself, found that he was more than capable of handling everything that was being thrown around. Was like, okay, cool. This 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 is great. It's it's been a it's been a joy to watch him when he's in that kind of form. Yeah, absolutely. I think we've all suspected it for a few weeks now that he might be returning to something like his imperious best. But I think yes today was just the final proof that we needed because I don't think there was a deep dive show on that that someone did several weeks ago (laughs) and got shot down got shot down fools unbelievable look at them now you knew didn't you Um, he was boss and yeah I think you're right I think that that moment you mentioned the clearance you know pretty much on his goal line to sort of scoop it over and his reaction thereafter was almost validation to himself he thought yeah I'm back here I'm having one of them days whereby this is just me and there's a couple of moments me and Evel spoke about it yesterday whereby Brian and Bremo a couple of times looked up and go oh it's Virgil like this isn't happening is it and there's even a moment whereby Matt is probably the closest one to the situation and he looks and sees Virgil coming and goes oh, I'll let you deal with that you know what I mean and that just shows you like everyone around now knows that Virgil van Dijk is back because he's just dominating situations he's being a aggressive, he's just dealing with everything that's thrown at him, he's winning all his duels aerially in the ground, whatever, his qualities on the balls therefore to be seen as well, so an absolute joy to watch and it's massive for us and I think yesterday was real captain performance from us as well because we've all kind of said that Liverpool were depleted yesterday, you look at the bench, it wasn't what it has been in recent week we've all waxed Liverpool about the squad depth and just how bosses to bring on all these lads and we can change a game from the bench, we didn't have that yesterday so instead some of our big game players stepped up to the occasion and Virgil van Dijk, Mohamed Salah were definitely in that category and Salah in particular has had a couple of down weeks I think by his own ridiculously high standards but yesterday it's almost as if they all went okay well we haven't got the lads with us so we're going to have to be the ones and they did it the the biggest moment for me sorry Chris was I think it's at 2-0 and then Buemo was through in on goal down the left hand side and it reminded me of Virgil from the, the Champions League season where 
he'd go one on one and you'd think, Oh my god, this lad's in and it'd be like the is just it the Spurs moment with Sosogo yeah. with Son where it's like it he just he shoots it over the bar, he should do better. And Virgil van Dyke literally kept stride for stride, even though you thought Mbomo was ahead of him. And he puts it out for a corner, but it's one of them where you think, if that's our season, that's a goal. Like, it, it, you were so worried because it was still only 2-0 and Brentford had a decent side and he had, in the first half, Mbomo had an absolute unbelievable chance that Alison Becker saves the day for. Yeah. But he's in and it's, you know they've still got time to get back in the game and he just deals with it so well. Um, and it, yeah, it reminded me of Virgil from 18-19 and, and when we won the league, he was incredible. Yeah. I think the thing thing for me is something you mentioned, he looks like he's you know flexing, enjoying himself and he, it's sort of like he's growing into the captaincy of it all as well. Like, you know, we've seen now for a few weeks the guys huddling up before and now did anyone see him talking about that was something that he had Celtic at Celtic yeah, yeah. and he loved that at Celtic and he, you know, he's always thought that he'd probably do something similar. So, and now we're seeing it each and every week. He pointed it out a few, I, I think maybe the first week or the second week, you're like, that's two weeks on the bounce they've done it and Virgil had said that's part of what he's brought in and I think now there are players there and certainly in the midfield unit and you know a lot of new faces and stuff and he's just able to shape the club a little bit behind the scenes in the way that he wants it to be run mm-hmm. and he's feeling like a big part of it and stuff and now people are looking up to him. I don't think anyone's questioning whether he's the right captain he just sh- he's showcasing that he's the right man to lead this football club yeah, well. um, so yeah he, he just looks like he's a piece with everything now and when you're playing at peace you play well yeah well exactly you know he, he is just that the, the rock he's the lightest of the back four is, um, and yeah we, I mean we did it at length last week talking about how you know good a captain he how much that level his level seems to have gone up as a, as a result of it and you know because there was debate about who do you put the armband on you know can can it be used to get more out of someone well for me it looks quite clearly like we've managed to get something more out of Virgil van Dijk you turn to your senior lads and go right this is your football club now use it here you're not the ones left. You're here because your boss. We've kept them. You know. You know. Look at look at the one. What I think Liverpool put themselves in a strong position in the transfer market, and it wasn't seen necessarily at the time. And we can see it in the fullness of time that everyone's left has gone on to be rubbish. You know what I mean? They're, they're done. They're finished. They've got nothing left in the tank. You know, like Genie Van Alden. They're all playing in the Saudi Pro League and they've got, no, they've got nothing left in the tank to give. So there's actually something to say in. You're not here because no one wanted you. You're here because we want you, because we think you still you still got it. And actually, Virgil Van Dijk seems to be believing it, and you know he's testing himself and he's feeling it as well. And you know he's going to be like this. I said, in fact, I said to you, was it you, Claudia? In fact, no, I tell like it was Joe. Joe thinks he's finished. Um, um, wow. Yeah, um, but you know, didn't see that bus coming. Did you, no, Joe? no, you do now. You <laughs> see the underside of it. Get under there, Joe. Um, <laughs> but we've seen this with great centre backs in particular. They, you always think they're done, and then they have like two or three more years of being absolutely Silver's brilliant. In this case, fifteen. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely brilliant from Virgil. We're well pleased with him. But uh, everything else is changing around him. Yeah. You know, he's dealing with you know Canate one week, Matip yeah. the next, Timacash or Joe Robertson, Gomez, yeah, yeah. Andy Robertson, and nothing seems to phase him at the moment. And you know that was him at his best. It was he made everyone else play better. You know, whoever it was, Joe Gomez, Joe Matip. Well, that's true again this season. I thought you were about to break out into a keen lyric there, but that's fine. Uh, Edward oh, Joseph, everything's changing. Um, <laughs> Edward Joseph, eighteen oh eight, uh, gifted twenty Redman TV memberships. Thank you so wow, much. That's wow. absolutely Fun. wonderful. Pull your finger out, hooks. <laughs> 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 um, absolutely magic stuff There's thank you for that um, yeah um, let's move on to another player who 
I think everyone was ready to have a, an absolute stinker of a game, and he certainly, including him. Um, Costas Simicas, Dan. Um, Your da- favourite player. The, the lad, there's a lad behind me in the match, and he was like, and he and he, he expressed how we, what we were all thinking in the early minutes, where Costas made like a second or third unfair, unforced error of the game, and just went, he shit him, and um, and I turned around, that to, was a chant, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I turned around, it was a collective sigh uh, from the cop, um, and I, I turned around, to, uh, yeah. Guaranteed, he gets a boss assist in this game. Now that you've said it, which of course with relish, I turned around and pointed that out to him later in the game. Big smiles all around. Um, he was rubbish, and then he was dead good. Yeah, Costa Simicas, everybody, yeah. welcome. Yeah, quite literally. Yeah. Um, interesting. Obviously, he spoke after the game as well about how he himself has sort of known he's playing pretty poorly um, yeah. in recent weeks. Obviously, it was pretty evident to everyone who cast eye on his performance in midweek that that wasn't what it was all about. Um, obviously, dragged off at half-time in that as well, unceremoniously. And to be honest with you, his first 45 minutes yesterday was pretty bad again, wasn't it? Like, it was pretty reminiscent. Just dallying on the ball a little bit, just a bit lethargic, constantly turning into trouble, making wrong decisions, all that type of bad stuff. Um, but then second half, uh, reborn a little bit, just a bit, don't know what happened at halftime, it was a conversation, but yeah, a new man, and the stuff that he is good at, which is obviously getting forward predominantly, did it really well. The assist is brilliant, so not giving up on the lost calls, that was really good to see. Um, digs out the cross, I'm not entirely sure he meant to find Mohamed Salah's forehead so perfectly, but... Don't it was so mean. No, it was brilliant, and then obviously get to second Wonderful if that assist. was Andy, it's weirdly if that was Andy Robertson, I wouldn't. I would think that was more out. hit and hope. No, I, I think <laughs> yeah, it was the opposite. Yeah. You think Simicast has got that in the locker? That sliding cross <laughs> to Salah. Oh, we see it all the time in training. <laughs> no, yeah, no, honestly, yeah. and you know what? I made up for him. He's known for that. And Chloe, you know, rightfully points out that I've been quite critical of Costa Simicast um, previously, um, but I am made up for him, and especially when he comes out and speaks afterwards, like he did. So because. He's a good footballer. He's a solid, solid back of left back. Like, there aren't many better around in world football right now. It's as simple as that. And you don't get the highest of quality when you back ups because they tend to be first choice somewhere else. So, credit to him. And he's got an opportunity now um, for a good few weeks. And he needed that. He needed that badly because having been hooked off in midweek, he needed some sort of bounce back and some sort of performance. And, like I say, after 45 minutes yesterday, I was thinking, oh, and I imagine a lot of people thinking, Man City, Doku, Grealish with this lad. Like, what are we doing? But. After that second half, yeah, fine. No, no, absolutely not. Still fine. It? <laughs> no. <laughs> He's decent. He was great in that second half. But if you're trying to tell me you're not petrified of the idea of him playing against City, Newcastle, Arsenal, United, even, I, I am petrified. It's him over Gomez for me at left back. Uh, I don't know for City I just, me. It, look, it goes back to these things. You can carry. I said, Carrie, like it's so disrespectful. He's a good, he's a, he's an absolutely fine footballer. I would agree that he's not. He's not as good as Andy Robertson, no. but uh, there are elements of his game that he's better than Andy Robertson. And when I reference the crossing thing, and look, Andy Robertson's one of the, the one of the all time great left backs of the Premier League, and will be seen as that in the fullness of time. But Simicas, I think, is a is a better technician than Andy Robertson. I don't think he's a better defender. I don't think he's got a better engine. I don't think he's got the, the same drive. All the things that makes Andy Robertson Andy Robertson, Simicas doesn't possess most of them. But actually, if you give him a football and say go and kick it to there, you'll kick it to where you, where you want it to go. Is, is, is the thing My issue with Simicast. that is 
he doesn't take those opportunities often enough. No, he he's, he's too quick to but turn back. And, yeah. yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. But he's too quick to turn back and he just play the easy pass. Yeah. yeah. Whereas Robert will just go bang. I'm throwing it in there. Yeah. It was a bit baffling how he wasn't on corners for large parts of his last couple of appearances. Well, we had Gakpo yeah. on him for a while. That's a bit mental. That because, was to lose, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. To lose. Because you're right. The best asset he possesses, in my opinion, is just piece taking, yeah. and he's not been doing that. So it feels odd to me. But his performance, as I'm saying, this this turnaround in this game, that was a much more Andy Robertson like left back from the second half because he was getting beyond the, the the 18 yard box. He was actually bombing on. He was supporting it. The team at pace. He wasn't picking the ball up. Stopped dead and cold. And then because he hasn't got. I mean, look, Robertson hasn't got the ability to drop a shoulder and go past someone. He needs momentum to get him into that. You're talking about wingers there. If you want to, if you're still and you want to get past the man, that's that is one of the most like ridiculously difficult skills in football. Most people can't do it. So you know when they changed FIFA and it was oh you can't dribble anymore. It's like, yeah, because you can't walk past the team with your centre half. It literally doesn't. It doesn't happen. It's it's, it's ridiculous. But that was one of He's Mister Momentum, isn't he? Like, somehow he has the ability to make pitches downhill, no matter which way he's running. Um, so look, ultimately credit to Costas. I agree. You know, no one's going to go into the Man City game going, "Yay, we've got Costas Simicas as our first choice left back." But my general point on all this is that I think we forget how often how rarely you play your best 11 for a variety of reasons. No team ever really plays their best 11 because someone's out of form or someone's suspended or someone's got a little knock or you're just making something work. He's fine. And as long as everything else is pulling in the right direction, it should be it should be sound. And again, we've ended up kind of like somehow coming round to really down on him. It was a really good second no, half performance. He, he, he did brilliant in the second half and it was like, his first assist is actually quite ridiculous. How he's, he managed to keep it in, but on the stretch, how he's found the end of Mo Salah. And like you said, whether he means it or not, to, it's an unbelievable ball. It was a checkmate ball. The ball went over and their goalie went, yeah, fine, yeah, <laughs> go ahead have a goal. Yeah. <laughs> What's the goal? I've never seen a footballer move less to score a goal than Salah. Mm. He just stood still. Yeah. Yeah. Headed it and they never moved afterwards either. <laughs> never moved like 15 seconds. His, his assist for Jota was dead funny as well, though, because he assist. takes possibly the worst touch I've ever seen in my life. The cop fumes at him, and then all of a sudden, Diego Jota takes over and absolutely smashes one in the back of the net. But yeah, look, I'm happy for Costas. I think he needed that boost before City. But defensively, I still. I knew there was a book coming. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. but he's, <laughs> but he's given, he gives Klopp and Klopp a decision to make because he, we've clearly been trying other things. Now, maybe some of that's because you can't play Simicast twice a week or three games in a week as it was this week. Um, <laughs> the um, <laughs> literally was um, the, um, but you've um, yeah, you, you, Gomez is. I think Gomez is there, ready and willing. If he's fit, by the way, which is the other issue for Man City, I don't see a will. I think he might he might be the one to get the nod. And if Costas continues to play like he did in the first half, in the second half, then you scramble around going, "Fuck me, we've got to make sure Gomez is ready for Man City." Whereas Simicas, at least you know that he's got a he's, he has got a, a good game in his locker, which should should hopefully bear dividends for us. Um, speaking of players who were actually brilliant, who um, probably didn't get the credits outside of Liverpool um, Darwin just amazing phenomenal we're fast reaching that point Chris where I'm not sure there's a game that isn't best suited for him Um, I I think it was Klopp's post-match when he kind of like 
And I think it's interesting how managers talk about things sometimes because when you say when you speak something up. What you're often saying without saying it is, how oh, fucking shit were you doing this before? And he said, and he said, like, can you imagine this a year ago? And it's like, oh wow. So we, re- you know, to Klopp to basically intimate that he couldn't do what it was required of him effectively a year ago, and now he's doing it. He's still wild. He's still mad. And I think half the ground didn't celebrate the offside goal for half a fraction of a second because we all thought he'd missed it yeah. when he hit the post. And I think half was expected him to it's miss it. It's a hell of a finish, to be fair. Yeah. It's a hell of a finish. We needed to but see the, the ripple of the net. Yeah. I had no idea it was Darwin and I had I no idea it, it was an overhead kick. Yeah. I just knew that it, it, something had been chalked off for offside. But obviously you watch it back and you're thinking, bloody hell, that's absolutely brilliant. The control that he's got on the ball, you know, the accuracy, obviously the, the, the first one where he put it in but again this is kind of the problem with him in, in in that in the last two league games he should have had about six goals and he's come away with none and that's that is unfortunately where we're kind of at with him but it does give me heart and it gives me belief that he is gonna at some point just start slotting goals again and you you know a brace a game type of thing but it's his link up play now yeah. that I think is the big difference from last season and I think that's probably what Jürgen's referring to because we we knew last season he could go through on goal he could score a wonder goal or he could miss a, a dead easy goal we've there's nothing new there but the way that the balls fizzed into him for Salah's first and knowing exactly where he is, the touch and the turn to play that pass, that's something new. That's something I never thought he had in his locker. Yeah. All of last season, I haven't watched him. Could he do that? No way. It's just not in his locker, mate. Would have been the answer to the question. But he can do that and he's continuing to do that time and time again. And you see the fear that he's putting into the opposition centre-halves. Like, they are scared of him because they don't know which way he's going to go. They, they have to drop off. And if he's gonna, if they're going to drop off to respect his pace and the ball over the top, then the stuff that he now can do and slot people in and drop deep is just going to open up more and more for him. It's a bit like uh, Roberto Firmino and, and Cody Gakpo, what we saw them do. The, the link-up play from them too is ridiculous in terms of what they do with the wingers outside of them. And his touch to kill it is ridiculous. The weight of pass, the way it's in front of Samu Salah can just run onto it and open his body up and slot it. It's brilliant from him. Um, and also, you know, we've, we've mentioned there like how good he is at that. But there was a, a moment in the extra time of the first half where he should have a goal, but Mo yeah. Salah does and put a ball on the plate for him. Mm. If that ball is just a tad bit better, he's 1v1 via goalkeeper and it should be in the back of the net. Um, so you see in both sides of him in every single game, he's he's winning more headers. I used to be very critical of him about it, just jumping in the air, not really finding the header. Um, storage. Storage used to do yes. that. Do you remember? Just like, I'm going to pretend. I'm going to stand there. Yeah. Like, shoulder yeah. in type job here. Never fancied header. Yeah, but his overall game is is really, really improved and that that touch and passes unbelievable they've got a great link up the two of them yes. and they look for each other a lot like I mean there's one where, down where he plays that outside of the boot ball Salah to him and it's wide for it's wide for Nunes but we're seeing that more and more more and we? more yeah they're telepathic those two it's almost as if they've got some sort of agreement whereby you supply me I'll supply you and it really does work it works brilliantly and it, it definitely we've definitely seen that gets on better with him than Mane having read that section of the Bobby book I think he might do um, yeah but those two it's almost from day one as well that even when Nunes was struggling for form you know we've seen them assist each other Sal in particular for Nunes obviously gets that Real Madrid assist as well that outrageous goal but yeah I agree with all your points on Darwin and I think 
What I'm most impressed about with him, the improvement obviously in his all-round game is massive because you mentioned that he's, he hasn't scored a goal in two games now and previously we'd have gone, oh, I'm not sure about him then, but because he's so boss now in general play, it doesn't matter. He, he, I agree with you, he can start the Man City game, but it's almost as if, you mentioned the Klopp comments, it's almost as if Darwin looked at that himself and gone, I need to do a lot more to get into this side now because he was signed, big name, you know, all the money and all that, and then Gakpo comes in after through the season and plays ahead of him. So he must have looked at that and gone, what am I not doing that yep. this lad is yep. that makes him so integral and he's doing it all now I completely agree on that and, and there's just something to it it's a bit like someone's just gone mate all you need to do is hold it up and kick it to Mo Salah mate honestly you know and then easiest uh, assist you're going to get honestly every now and again some, you know, someone will get it back to you have a cup get some shots on target and pass the ball to Mo Salah that I'm really and just carry on being you run around you know ch- charge people down show a lot of energy and fight and all that it's like someone's just stripped it all down to bullet points for him and all of a sudden he's not reading this like manual and impenetrable text that he's got to like decide he's got to learn every little tiny detail it's like someone's gone Hold it up, kick it to Mo Salah, shoot at the goal, run around and make yourself make yourself a nuisance. Can you do all that? And he's gone. See, see, see. Oh, sorry. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Got it. Got that now. Um, yeah, it does. It just looks like everyone's taking a lot of the burden off him. I mean, just looking at his, his, um, his last five in the league. Uh, three assists and one goal in that time and you're right for a striker. You go, well, that's only one goal in five. That's not a great goal return. But... Again, let's not forget Mo Salah's our main goal guy. That we're, we're atypical in that. You know, our, our number nine isn't the guy who scores all our goals. It's our right winger who scores all of our goals. So in that regard, we're carrying that on quite nicely. But to your point, Chris, I think I feel a lot more relaxed that if we actually just needed him to do that, I think he kind of can. And the other one, just to move it on, Chloe is Diogo Jota, like quietly been an absolute goal machine for us this season I think that's his eighth he's scored more goals than Darwin Nunes um, he hasn't got any assists which is one of the things why he's you know he's not quite as I guess quite being rated but um, I mean he is an absolute an absolute killer it was another really Diogo performance made an absolute pest of himself and then when an opportunity comes he just smashes it in the back of the net yeah it's very Diogo Jota like isn't it and I think we all mentioned after Toulouse um you know, his, his goal against them is, is brilliant. But I think we all sat here and said, there's no way he can't not start against Brentford. He's beating Luis Diaz and it's unfortunate for Luis Diaz. But Luis, hopefully it's... Um, Hopefully it's healthy competition. Hopefully Diaz sees that and rises to it yeah. um, because that's really what you want. But Diego Jota is one of the first names on the team sheet because he's lethal, he's ruthless. Um, he doesn't need five, six, seven opportunities like Darwin Nunes does. He just needs the one and he scores all kinds of goals. He gets your poacher goals. His movement in the box is incredible. If you find him 1v1, he's got the skill to, to dribble past someone, take the shot. If there's a, a last-minute chance that and you want it to fall to someone, it's Diego Jota, but he's also got this other side of him where you know he can play that left wing and he cuts inside a lot and this goes outside the box and this is just basically a thunderbolt off his laces that he's put in the back of the net um, and he's, he's only needs a couple of yards you know he's dribbled past maybe one two players there and, and got the space to take the shot um, he is absolutely ruthless and I thought he was he was really good at pressing but I don't think he was outstanding I don't think he was unbelievable because once again it was just a very good professional performance by every single player on the pitch who didn't really need to get out of second gear but then you have moments like that where you're like 
yeah, that's Diego Jota. Like, he doesn't need to be involved in absolutely everything you do for him to score goals. He just has this one moment in a game and he, he'll bury the chance for you. So, yeah, it's um, he, he's he's becoming, you know, a, a very important player for Liverpool. I don't know how Luis Diaz gets back in from the start. He's going to have to take one of the chances maybe in, in the Europa League again because for me, I mean, I know we all sit here and we look at City and we're like, OK, but let's identify how we're going to really attack them the most and maybe you will see a change there with Lucho coming back in but genuinely Diogo Jota deserves to start on that left wing Liverpool at their best you know with Sadio Mane Firmino and Salah they were never all scoring goals at the same time yeah. it was it was generally Salah was always just motoring along and then one of the others would get into a little bit of a thing and that's what it feels like at the moment that we've kind of got now early doors this season it was Diaz yeah. it looked like he was getting those goals and assists into his game in those first five games before his injury or however many games it was but Jot has just picked it up now obviously we've seen Nunes go through little fits and starts of goals Salah's continued to motor along although maybe I'll, I'll be honest I, I said this after the game yesterday I, 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 it surprised me that he was the player of the month I think he's been shit for a month but he's continued to score goals yeah. that hide the fact I, I could totally understand if he was in Garth Crooks player of the month because his goals is pretty much all you need to do yeah. but in an actual Premier League player of the month it surprised me because I don't think he's been playing that well but going back onto the Jota thing like he, he, he's, his, it's his versatility it's his yeah. ability to swap places with them and I think that's the one thing that I really like about this Jota and Nunes partnership and I was really you know started the season saying I think Diaz should play with Jota and Jota with Gakpo and uh, sorry Diaz with Nunes and probably yeah. Jota with Gakpo but actually the Jota and the Nunes thing for Nunes having a little bit on the left wing last season is working really well because you wouldn't really want Nunes swapping with Diaz because you put Nunes, uh, Diaz centrally and you lose a little bit. But if you throw Jota centrally and Nunes out wide, you're not losing anything. In fact, you're gaining a more lethal striker in the Absolutely. number nine position. Well, you've got this this issue, it's a balance thing and I think it gets better with the more they play and I think Diaz has been unfortunate, particularly the last few weeks, obviously been very disjointed for him. His goal returns all right. You know, he's got four for us so far this season. But, Jota can handle the isolation because actually yeah. he's actually because he, he naturally gets closer to the eighteen yard box anyway, and because he's a natural, he's a he's a goal scorer. He is a, he's a killer. He wants to put the ball in the back of the net. Nunes and Salah are doing all this link up, and Jota's like, "Fine, I'll just hang here, and something will come my way, or I'll make it myself, and I'll I'll stick in the back of the net." Whereas when Diaz is isolated. He feels like he's got to dribble past three men from 20 yards further back down the pitch to try and get involved. Whereas Jota's just got this uncanny habit of being where you want to be in the decisive moments of the game. There's a lot of talk on the uh, the, the Chelsea about like uh, what's an atypical or an archetypal sorry uh, Raheem Sterling goal. We're saying this when we signed Jota. He's got a lot of that in him. He just know Maxi Rodriguez had this as well. There's a space and it's like two yards inside the left-hand post out to the edge of the 18-yard box in a square and that's where he comes alive. Anything in around that zone, he'll cause you all kinds of um, problems. So, yeah, good on him, you know, because I say everyone's going, oh, Nunes, Nunes, this, Nunes. He's got he's got the best chance. He's got our best song yeah. and he's our second top goal scorer and all, the three, our three top goal scorers are on the pitch. 
um, yesterday. And that's if that's going to carry us through, then yeah, long may it continue. The other thing is when Jota plays, it's important that the likes of Costas or Robertson does overlap because it creates the space. Yeah. And then when there goes Jota, isolates you on V1. That's what you like. Yeah. He is so that's that's the thing with Jota when he's actually on the left wing, and you think a game clock winger, it has it usually has pace. Dugo Jota doesn't have that, but with the ball at his feet, he, he goes so much faster. It's ridiculous how he fast doesn't he slow looks. down at all when he's got the ball exactly. at his feet. Does he? His close control is mm. incredible, but he looks so much faster with the ball at his feet. And that he, he does the ball for Costas, who gets the assist for for Salah, mm. and he finds the gap between two players there and Cody Gakpo because he's playing. Um, on that that left hand side because Costas has overlapped he cuts inside and then the defenders don't know which way to go um, and Diego Jota picks the pass out albeit it was maybe just a tad bit overdone it was definitely but for Gakpo I thought it was for Gakpo <laughs> as well fine. to be honest with you yeah. I don't think it was um, for no, Costas but he still found the, the, the gaps but that that's the important thing with, with Jota is he always needs someone overlapping him to create the space to drag away a player so that he can or get someone to cut yeah exactly yeah. Um, if you'll forgive me a little bit of bad language on the podcast I'll just make sure this works yeah that was fun you got the other one there, uh, we love you Tierney we do when <laughs> 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 he finally got a decision that went our way genius moment from the cup people obviously People, I, I don't think sometimes fully get the humour of being a Liverpool fan, and I've you know explained. I think I did this a bit on um, the podcast I did with Neil Jones on his covering Liverpool um, stuff through the week of how like when we wanted Roy Hodgson out, we weren't horrible to Roy Hodgson. We made Hodgson for England t-shirts and chanted Hodgson for England because it was like the, it was just a funny way to to deal with it. And Paul Tierney being the most biased against us referee in the, in the history of football. Finally, having enough and chanting "fuck off" when he when he booked Joel Matter for <laughs> cleanly winning the ball, um, and so we chanted "fuck off, Cherry," and then did it again, did it again, and then we got a, a decision right that we didn't think we were going to get. So, so uh, I, okay, not quite as vociferous, but a chance of yeah, we love you, Cherry, we do. I just that that's how you hand you should handle bad referees, because um, the guy behind me said, "Well, we're never getting a decision now," and I went. We don't get decisions anyway. anyway. Yeah, we might it. as well tell him to fuck off <laughs> and see if this works because we haven't tried this yet. Um, I remember when we, my favourite has always been when we snotted Man United 3 0 on uh, Alex Ferguson's birthday and sang him happy birthday. Yeah. <laughs> it was just fucking class. Like, yeah. it was the best. Yeah, this is it. This is how you're going to handle these things. But, like, first of all, Chris. It is one of the worst yellow card decisions it's I've ever seen in my entire life. It's the it's the worst. He like he, he tackles him quite clearly. I'm not even sure he even makes contact with him. The guy falls over, and I mean it's pure no context. Joel Matter, like I mean he's limbs, he's living limbs. He normally screams at the grass in those situations. He is Groot, like you know what I mean, like yeah. yeah um, but yeah, I mean the whole situation. It shows you what a terrible referee Paul Tierney is. I didn't it's need a... any more evidence of that in my life, to be honest. <laughs> I could have gone through the rest of my life never watching a Paul Tierney referee game, but unfortunately, I had to sit through it. Um, he's he, it's baffling. It really is baffling how shit he is, to be honest. Um, I can't believe he's got a job. Genuinely, just doing anything. Like, if you ask me if I think he could be a, a good checkout assistant, no. Like, I'm really against self-serve. He'd scan something wrong. But if wrong. Tierney was in there, I'd be like, just go all self-serve, mate. Yeah. <laughs> He'd scan something wrong and you'd be like, mate, you've scanned that wrong. And he'd be like, no, I never. <laughs> That's what you wanted. That's what it got right. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. I mean, it doesn't work. It doesn't 
fucking working Tesco's that mate <laughs> and he just sternly stared at you yeah give you stink eye what a bell end I mean in this whole like respect referees, blah 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 blah. He's just a shit referee, Dan. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? I don't think he wants to be shit. Um, I'll give him the. I'll give I him think the, he does on Anfield. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt that nobody wants to be terrible at the job unless they're looking to get sacked. And if look, I don't think he's looking to get sacked. I don't think he can be sacked. No, I know. No. He's, he seems to have a job. He's got ten years. He seems to have a job for life. Um, but yeah, that was just. I mean, it was a terrible decision, yeah. and it was wonderfully handled. I thought, like the breaking points of Liverpool fans just being right now. Not for us. No. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the cop and Anfield in general handled it perfectly well. Um, but Matt's reaction is just pure gold. Um, even Trent comes over and he's like, "What? What are you talking about? <laughs> yellow card?" But you know, it's it's so. I mean, the standard referee. We sort of speak about it. You know, to a blue in the face on this show. But it's just horrendous. It is the absolute pits. And the problem is with this decision, it is just a yellow card in the cold light of day. But you know, he could end up getting suspended for if he gets does anything else in that game and he gets yeah. a second yellow for that, then it's a real talking point. You know what I mean? But because is just ultimately yellow card and we win the game it'll just be fine but it just shows you and it's more evidence like the PGMOL won't even look at that because it doesn't really matter but it's more evidence of refs just being really really bad at what they're supposed to be good at I'm astounded Endo didn't get sent off not because I thought that 50-50 was nailed on a guaranteed red but I've just seen too many in yeah. the last few weeks. Curtis Jones and Sanchez, was it for Spurs? Yeah. The, the, oh, Basuma, the, wasn't it? Basuma. Ramiro. Ramiro, sorry. The, the, oh, for, no, that James was on Basuma, sorry. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm thinking of the centre-half. Sorry, who gets, Ramiro. Yeah, that was Christian Romero. Christian yeah. Romero, apologies. That's um, a red card. But they, they are examples of the player gets the ball, Yeah but then makes contact with the man on yeah. the other side of it, which is exactly the same. Not, they're not exactly the same. They're all different tackles. But as soon as he went in and slid in for that, I was like, I, 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 he's getting sent off here. He just will. And they had a, they had a good old... 13 good times. Old, 13. That's what Neil Mellor said views, on Twitter. Yeah, yeah he said they he looked at it, it 13 times. What did you make of it? The tackle. I thought it was fine, to be honest, but then... In normal time, it's one of them where you're both going for the ball, you get in, and the fact that the referee let it go, I thought was actually bizarrely credit to Paul Tierney, yeah, which I don't think I've ever said that loud. He's probably looking the other way. Maybe, yeah, 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 absolutely. Tends to do that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, like, in that, in the doing of it, I'm the same as Curtis Jones, one. it's like, in, in, you just, just get on with the game, you know, it's one of them. When they, when they brought it back... I don't. I don't honestly. I personally don't see a vast deal of difference between the ones. Any of those are the ones we've discussed because he does then end up making contact with the, the man. That's the problem for me. I think a lot of people saying there's fifty fifty, which it is ultimately, of course, is end those poor touches that leads us. And how yeah. often do you see a poor touch and then somebody stretches yeah. to try and make amends and. I think a lot of people saying, well, does Alan Smith get sent off for that? Something very similar, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you're going to do Endo, what about the other lad? But the other lad does nothing wrong. No. <laughs> Endo, <laughs> Endo studs, whichever way you want to dress up. I don't think it's a red card because I don't think there's enough force, etc., etc. But whichever way you want to look at it, Endo studs end up in the other lad's shin. So it's not pretty. It's not clever. I wouldn't advise doing it anymore if I was you, Endo. But yeah, for me, not a red, but I did get why there was some conversation around it. Philip Degen very much got sent off for that. I think it might have been a full away and he, you know one of them you lose control and you do you just you just yeah. lunge for it because you're trying to make up for your own mistake and you instantly go ah! yeah. as you guys you're leaving the ground yeah. and going oh i'm not getting this no yeah. um 
just to do Endo's performance in general. Before we do, do you mind? We were talking, was it on the Bias show last Monday when we had that big VAR discussion and stuff yeah. like yeah. that? I, I had an idea which I think could solve some of the refereeing stuff. So I thought, you know what, let's bring it into the main podcast rather than just being unbiased. Until every referee can look at all of those challenges and all give the same decision as one another, you're never going to get any fucking consistency whatsoever so I reckon you should just lock all of them in the room give them all of those challenges and if they all come to the same decision you've got a good set of lads but there's no way that it, 12 referees are watching 12 challenges and giving the same decisions out ah, yes. and that's the problem with the referees in this country so don't bother so just well, train them up so that they know what they're supposed to be giving if you give them the exact same challenges over and over and then Tell them what the answer is. Well, like the answer, what that does is the other thing is it just says it, that you do that and it proves conclusively that it's fucking nonsense because it's impossible because it's they're all subjective decisions yeah. because your point of like f- you're measuring force. How the fuck are you meant to measure for, without literally measuring force without a, a what like a Newton meter of some description being used on the pitch? You're not measuring force. You're gauging. You're like guessing. You're using your best judgment on these things. And when you're using your best judgment, that's going to vary wildly from individual to individual. So yeah, h- here we are again. My favourite non-Liverpool part. The, the weekend was the Zerbi in his press conference yeah. and he just turned around and went I dislike 80% of the referees in this country he was like yeah they're all crap their attitudes are crap and that's how he left it and I was like you know what that's me every single weekend every single weekend spot on um, I kept up the percentage of them that yeah. I dislike Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Yeah, Wataru Endo. Um, I've seen a, a real mixed review of him, Dan. Um, mm-hmm. So I... I think to get my rough phrasing on my post match was I think that was his best game for Liverpool and I say that now every time he plays. So every time I've seen him play, it's been his best game for Liverpool. Um, which is an encouraging trend. Um I sat down writing the agendas this morning and apropos of nothing, Steve Hall walked in and went down. I sat down and went, 
endo shit. Um, so, you know, and I've seen there's some thought it's pieces saying that he wasn't very good. I've seen others saying that he, he was really good. Where did you where did you fall down on endo? Yeah, interesting one. Um, I thought yesterday he was fine. It's definitely signs that he's getting better. I still have reservations about him. Mainly from a defensive standpoint, which I didn't think I'd be saying, it felt like when he came in, is it felt as though he'd be boss defensively and he'd win loads of duels for us and he'd get the ball back. And then I had concerns that he might not be up to standard in terms of his use of the ball and how comfortable he was in possession. I actually think he's better at that at the minute than he is the other stuff. He seems to be late to a lot of situations and it's interesting because he seems to be in the right sort of vicinity. Positioning seems to be there, but then for whatever reason, when he's not getting there just quite quick enough, he's catching people late and that type of thing. There's a few moments yesterday where he does it definitely some in midweek. So... I don't know if he's not quite up to speed yet, or I'm not quite sure. Can't put my finger on what it is. His use of the ball is brilliant. I think we've seen a few glimpses now of what he can do with the ball at his feet. He's quite good technically and that type of stuff. So that fits the bill. But I know yesterday, his, his actual his statistics behind his Jules 1 were really poor. Like really, really poor. And we weren't great across the board in that department yesterday. I think Gakpo actually ended up with the most in the midfield three, which is fascinating because he's so out of position. But yeah, I thought, I must admit, Sort of eye test wise, I thought yesterday I thought it was fine, perfectly fine, adequate performance. What we needed at the base of the midfield, you know, didn't sort of set the world alight by interest imagination, but did enough, you know, busy, kept us ticking over, was in the right sort of place at the right time. But I do still have my concerns about the pace of the game and whether he's quite up to speed just yet. Yeah. Chloe? Yeah, very much the same. Um, I thought, especially midweek uh, against Toulouse, I just thought he was a little bit all over the place. He, he was just arriving too late to challenges. What I would say is passing between the lines is actually really, really good. The way he finds Trent in between the lines, the way he finds Darwin Nunes at times, Cody Gakpo at times the other day, is really good. I, I like his progressive passing in he, he, we know he's he's quite good at that the weight of pass he doesn't mind the crossfield ball either he's very good at that as well but it is arriving late on on the scene that is the problem it's like he's fouled someone because they're already halfway through their turn by the time you've got there yeah. but I think because the rest of the team especially in that second half everyone was pretty much at least a 7.5 out of 10 it was not noticeable because we had a lot of the ball um, and you know we were we were kind of suffocating Brentford a little bit but it does like it's 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 a bit of a problem in, in terms of you know when you are going to be against like a city and, and a Spurs. You like to. Have, I mean, we've already played Spurs, and I actually thought he was all right in that game when he came on, uh, but we were down tonight. So, um, but those who have a lot of the ball, and you know what, in those situations when someone counters you and they're that good, so you know next weekend if he's not next weekend the weekend after if he's playing and a city player is about to run past you, volume, take him down. Yeah. I'm not even take the yellow card because a lot of our team do not do that. Well, yeah, so I, that is what he is actually quite well, good. Well, that's, that's factually incorrect because all of our him. team get booked for all that all constantly. But actually, none of them do it in a way that makes you think... I'm going to be careful of how yeah. I conduct me, you know, like mm. I'm going to watch myself here. And that's a James, that's what's missing from like the team is like a James Milner thing of going, we don't have anyone on our team who goes, I'm going to go put one on you here right now. I'm going to see whether you're up for this game or not. And Endo has a little vibe about that too, of like, he doesn't mind putting his body on the line and getting hurt to hurt someone else a little bit or not, you know, not maliciously, but enough to let them know they're in a game. You don't get that from McAllister. McAllister's very like Thiago, whereas I can see the tigerish quality that if you add that, 
20 yards further up the pitch. That's something that number eights and tens are not normally doing. You know, you're not getting that from like, you know, a classic Yari Lippmann and number 10. You know, if you can add that into, into your game, brilliant. But Endo, yeah, he, he doesn't seem like a a full-blown number six. He definitely feels like he's got a bit more. He's like, he's itching to like play a give and go and run up the pitch. And I think he hopefully he gets to that stage where he can do that. But I agree, he looks a bit off it, but then he's basically, he's only Fabinho's replacement and Fabinho was fucking miles off it last year as well. So if he's just at least just doing what Fabinho was doing, but actually he's got a little bit more aggression, then probably net was still up a little bit with it but I, th- I thought he was fine I, I, I think his positioning you know I, I've been saying for weeks now since you, what was the game when you were in the main stand for the Leicester ball? Cup game that was the one where I was saying to you I, on the ball I think he's brilliant but off the ball I think he's got a major issue I think it's the defensive side of things got what these guys have just said there and I've said that on every video whenever I've spoken about him but but yes, uh, yesterday I thought he was much better in that regard and I think now, if I had to pick one thing, where he, one area of the field where he needs to improve it, it's positionally on transitions when yeah. they're attacking yeah. us. That is the one thing now. And remember, I was talking before the game to Sam and his mate Mark, and they were asking us about Endo and what I thought and stuff. And I was like, well, I don't know whether we're seeing a little bit of Klopp putting his arm around him and teaching him the role. And that's why we're not seeing him loads and loads. And maybe we'll see a little bit more of him in the way that he did with Fabinho. Where those first three months of the season was, yeah, you've been playing DM, but you've been playing DM in a completely different system. And I'm now leaning a little bit more towards that. Like there's still some tutelage going on behind the scenes with with Endo because I think there's a trust there that he can do what this team needs with the ball at his feet. But what we need to do is just iron out the or smooth the corners off a little bit yeah. in terms of what you are he's never going to be fast enough he's never going to be as fast as I wanted him to be but also I think when you when you are talking about defending in transition it ain't just on the DM it's on the attacking midfielders it's on the forwards to cut that ball off at source and I think yesterday when he's got Gakpo in front of him and he's got Soberslight, it's a new makeup of midfield once again yeah. that he's not really been a part of. So I cut him a little bit of slack in that regard. There's also something of just knowing instinctively where you're going to be attacked in transition because teams, sometimes teams throw pure innovation at you. So like City are going to get you from a million different ways. But by and large, most teams are going to have a game plan to try and hurt you in, in one or two ways because that's what they've been able to identify in the four or five days of you know, have analysis and the build up to it and it's actually knowing through repetition this is what they're going to do because this is where our spaces are when we attack you know so he knows where to position himself by experience not just by you know by, by instinct and the, the best example I can think of of this is look how Matter plays um, at centre half for us now the amount of balls that go into that space where Trent is and Matip now just steps across and brings them down or heads them away. Like he knows it's, it, he just, it's like, it's like reading the game or having done your research or done your homework. It was a two or three cha- times where Brentford went, ah, oh, we're in here. We've got the ball back. We know there's the space in that channel and he pinged it. <laughs> Matip just went, Matip was there. Yeah, yeah, cool. Thanks very, thanks very much for that. Clearly obvious pass because everyone attacks us down that side. So hopefully that's something, you're right. And one, the, the Klopp gave him an almighty smack on the bum, oh, yeah. encouraging oh, yeah. bum pass uh, when he did a good physical tackle in front of the bench. Yeah, it's also what we're supposed to be doing. I think that's the other thing where what I'm sort of, no, I'm sort of struggling with defensively at the moment when I'm looking at looking at the team because I think this season we've seen where well any of the centre halves have been more aggressive. Think of the first goal; he wins the ball back. Matip in their half, like. 
historically years gone by, that's Fabinho territory. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I've seen Van Dijk do it. I've seen Matip do it. I've seen Canate do it. And actually, if you look at it through that sort of lens, where's the DM supposed to be? I don't have that understanding if the if the centre-back's doing something different to what we've seen in previous years. So I think sometimes we overanalyse things without actually seeing, well, we've actually changed elsewhere. Yeah. So I actually don't know where Endo's supposed to be in that situation, but I do know Matic wins the ball back and we go and score about 30 seconds later. Football catches up and you've got to be more daring. And and the problem is, is that most people, most clubs won't do that because they haven't got the bottle to do it or the resources to do it. And so what they'll wait until, it's like adopting fashion where you wait until it's in Matalan before you go to the new fashion you wait until everyone's wearing it before before you go for it I know I'm speaking from experience but it's you know no, you don't do outlandish things because you don't want to you don't want to stand out and run the risk of getting slaughtered because you haven't got that credit in the bank Pep Guardiola and Klopp and Arteta and these do it because they're right at the top and you need to find those games you need to find new ways if you get figured out you get figured out, you're fucked. Because well, you can't lose five games a season. This a couple of years ago, do you remember where he was like, we were talking about depression and stuff, and he's like, we just got to do it from different places. You've got to mm. surprise them. Yeah. And that season we saw Fabinho go past Henderson and yeah. Wijnaldum and mm. press them from deep. So they've always done this, haven't they? Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing. It looks a bit mad. Like, why, why Matip and Van Dijk doing this? And when it goes wrong, it looks stupid. But you've got to do that because, and it will look outlandish because we're so unused to seeing it. But in like two or three seasons, like you, you like, I was gonna say Bolton, but like not Bolton. You know what? But I mean, like Sam Allardyce is Bolton of what they wear. Those. The, I mean, you know, you're not you, expecting JJ Acosta to press or get pressure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Your mid-table teams will be doing this in in three in three years' time. It'll be standard in how football's played. I mean, God, there's championship teams inverting. You know what I mean? Inverting wing backs, spin full backs, because that's how it's now done. Go on, Chloe. Uh, the other thing that made me think that Endo's slightly understanding the, the kind of role he's doing and also our tactics a bit more was in the second half when Trent was literally left side of the midfield and was pressing Brentford over that side. And Salah looked at and, and was like, am, am I supposed to be the right back here? Sobo was trying to get back. And then Endo just went, no, no, Sobo, you go there. And he sat at right back and he waited until the ball had moved and Trent could move his way casually over to the side of the pitch. Um, and he stayed there until Trent gave him, you know, a look and said, Sam, let's swap. Um, but that that was really good for Mendo to recognise it because he was getting drawn over to the left-hand side where Trent was for a second. And then it was almost like he realised who the hell was in front of him and realised... That means Salah at the moment in time is right back. Um, and he, he pulled himself off and instructed, you know, sorry. To, I've done it again, it's again, again. And it's always Chris that I look at. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my uh, word. Last week it was you were pulling Sobber Sly off. Good times. Um, <laughs> no, so yeah, I, I think he's understanding the role a bit more. Yeah, brilliant. Um, <laughs> what do you think of Endo settling in period so far? Let us know in the comments. It was a great point, Chloe, but no one will ever remember. No, no, no. <laughs> no. It's gone though. Um, it's because you ruin it, to be honest. <laughs> as soon as you right. said it, you knew. Uh, Joseph sent us a super chat in as well. Uh, I don't actually totally understand this one. It says Darwin, content answer to oil. Oh, I, I, oh yeah, yeah, Sal, okay. Um, mm-hmm. Meanwhile, the number 20 is is cutting in loads and scoring. Yeah, absolutely, totally agree with the Darwin. As a box office, everyone wants to talk about Darwin Nunes. Everyone's all over Darwin Nunes. And then Diogo Jota's got eight goals this season. Yeah, yeah. yeah. long way that continue. Um, just a couple of little... Um, bits and pieces um, before we move into the uh, halftime well 
two-thirds brief <laughs> two-thirds brief um, uh, from off the Joe nine Liverpool have won all nine of their home games in all competitions this season all by a margin of two or more goals this is the joint longest home winning run by two plus goals in the club's history also nine from May to October 1980 overwhelming um, we talk about this a lot and this just is our, is our segue out that whenever Liverpool are having a good season or on the way to a good season we start breaking mad records you know you they start didn't exist exactly you yeah. start to go yeah records that existed that 40 with, years old yeah 100% certainly at Anfield especially very encouraging one indeed right a um, little break from us when we return we're going to be discussing whether Liverpool can challenge for this title Yes, yes, yes. Grab your Redmen Christmas jumpers right now while you can, as splendidly worn by Mr. Dan Club on the other couch over there. Look at him. Look how great he looks. You can look exactly, if not more great than that, if you buy one. Um, Go to redmanmerch.com. The last few of one last year's uh, still available as well in limited sizes. Unfortunately, the grey and red has sold out. Uh, So do grab yourself... uh, Limited sizes on the the new one as well, to be honest with you. There's only medium large and extra large left now. You have to move fast if you want one. Yep. Get involved if you want them for your Crimbo party. Don't be waiting till December because you'll be shit out of luck. Um, okay, uh, let's move things forward into part two uh, with the question, Chris Pajak, can Liverpool challenge for the Premier League? Now, I didn't watch the Luton game live and I've had this in, in the past where I've missed I've missed the, <coughs> the live feeling of bad results and that's probably helped my optimism um, in some regards but equally I was there in the flesh in Toulouse having got up at piss o'clock in the morning the day before to get there etc etc how are you feeling about how Liverpool are placed because the league table looks better than I think the mood implied going into the weekend I think that Liverpool can challenge for the league title. I think we need everything to go our way. I think we need to improve in a few key areas like the away form that I mentioned earlier on and stuff like that. I think we need probably a little bit of luck or bad luck for Manchester City as well. Um, a Rodri injury would be a fantastic Christmas present for the Christmas if you're listening. Um, not like career-threatening or anything, no, just... No, no. 15 games missed. Just a, um, you know, a, something a, a, a grade that, two hamstring tear. Yeah, yeah something that, you know, That's he can come back spot. from. Yeah, it's absolutely <laughs> fine, you know what I mean? Um, I I do, I, I really am confident and I feel like I, I just, we're a third of the way in the season now, basically, aren't we? Mm-hmm. You know, um, so for me, there's enough now of a, you know, we've played enough games to understand who we are as a football side. And all I can think is that we're going to continue to improve this season as the season goes along. So if we've sort of managed the new midfield build and continue to gather points, I'm really excited for the second half or the you know second third of this season. And I think we'll be in a really good place come the end of the season. Now, my, my major worry, and it's always the worry, is that Manchester City just go on a mad run because I don't think we're capable yet of going on yeah. a mad run. A 15-game win in every single game, just don't see that, that that we're there yet. But once you put us in the mixer, I think you'll see the belief growing. And I think, you know, if we're close, come, you know, coming out the back, the back end of Christmas, I just don't think... I think there'll be a confidence around us as a fan base and a club where we can continue to... to 
go until the end of the season. Can we talk about the away form thing, Dan? I'll, I'll come to you um, because that's been the one big thing. So I put a tweet out yesterday, and I'll see if I can find it. Um, and the vast majority of the responses that were that weren't like, yeah, absolutely, were centered around Liverpool's um, away form. A lot of like, you know, we've got the firepower. Mm-hmm. You know, why not? We're, we're yeah. right up there, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, um, but yeah, the big question mark is the is the away form thing. Let's talk about it. Yeah, absolutely, it is. Yeah, and it's kind of it's it's shone upon in a, a worse light because our Anfield, our home form is so impervious. We just look untouchable at Anfield. Like it is an absolute fortress once again. And I think also the fact that we were bad generally speaking last season but we were really bad away from home so it feels like a little bit of a hangover you haven't quite managed to shake that off from last year as well I think most of sort of the uh, the ill feeling from last season has gone now because obviously everyone's dead positive about the new signings the midfield rebuild and the Klopp 2.0 type vibe that's really positive and stuff like that but there is this still this niggling little oh, away form's not great is it I mean the results speak for themselves even in Europe obviously the Toulouse game you mentioned we haven't quite managed to sort of get a grip of that just yet and I'm not I can't quite put my finger on what it is I think there's definitely a a control in the game element of it that we have at home that we don't seem to be able to get back away but even then like we haven't started all our Anfield games particularly well but we managed to sort of rouse ourselves and whether that is the Anfield crowd we even seen that a little bit yesterday after the Tierney and Matip decision the crowd really got up and therefore Liverpool did so we don't have that on the road but and I can't quite put my finger on what it is because last year, for me, I was very vocal in saying it was a mentality issue. Having been so strong mentally and the mentality monsters and all that type of stuff, we just faded last season. And when we were faced with any sort of adversity, particularly on the road, and we just we were shrinking violet essentially. Once the, yeah. the opposition crowd got on top of us, we just gone completely, especially in some difficult grounds like Bournemouth, Nottingham Forest, etc. That doesn't exist this year, but for whatever reason, we can't seem to just get hold of a game on the road like we did in the title winning season. Didn't matter where we were that season we just took the game by storm and went from minute one to minute 90 but I don't know what it is but we can't do that even now against teams Luton the case in point in this we didn't go to Luton and we didn't dictate terms we didn't dominate proceedings and I'm not sure why my my thinking on again the, the general flow of that Luton game I remember I had it, this is my mantra because I was I was literally sat watching the Union saint Gilles in a mad little stadium in, in Brussels at the time but at one down thinking a title winning team finds a way to win this mm. but then of course you go well a title contending team doesn't lose and Liverpool don't lose and there's something in that because I think it does get forgotten about sometimes Chloe that the league the season we win the league we scrape all kinds of wins in that yeah. first half of the season Sheffield United the goalie chucks one in you've got Mane and Robertson in, in injury time against Aston Villa the two kind of headline ones but there's tons of really close fought things in that Um just to counter the point, do you think are we are we maybe more concerned about the away for other extenuating circumstances that we're maybe lumping in as bad as bad away form? So Tottenham Hotspur being probably the prime example of it. Yeah, but that is only one game. Um, that that's that's one game where Liverpool it's kind of being taken out of their hands. But it's the only Chelsea, defeat we've had away from home. Yeah, in the league. Chelsea. I thought we were really good for thirty, and then we got played off the park. If I'm being truthfully honest, uh, Newcastle United got played off the park, and then Darwin Nunes decided to step up. Albeit we were down to ten men, so there are other factors why Darwin Nunes steps up and and you know he saves the day. It's all on him that that victory. Um, Spurs. There's other riding factors. And the, like it's dead unlucky. We walk away with ten seconds, you know, 
10 more seconds in that corner where they don't put the ball in the box the whistle might be blown and you're walking away from Spurs with a point where you've been down to nine men for quite a lot of the game um, it's it's Luton is, is the big problem because Liverpool for some reason teams who we, we bring them down to their level we kind of don't play our own style of football our own level we don't set the tempo dictate the games um, so it, it is a little bit of a worry for me because it's you know you, you've got to go and make sure you grind out wins and it's even more of a problem because both times where we've lost the league to Manchester City it's been due to just drawing too many games of football yeah. and like you mentioned there it's brilliant that Liverpool somehow only, like got a point instead of losing when we all thought we were going to lose and be like totally embarrassed even though we still should be at the fact that we dropped points to Luton but we were going to be extremely embarrassed but still a point you know, we've lost the league by a point twice against the City side and it's not been down to us losing games of football. We've actually lost less games yeah. than Manchester City, mm. but we've drawn far too many and that is the problem. That's the thing that I think I'm worried of creeping in to the attitude though, Chris, is that, that idea of feeling like the title's going to be lost every in, in November. And like, look, it might be, but also there's drop point, everyone drops points throughout the season. You know, no one's no one wins every game in the football season. Though we gave it a damn good go in nineteen in nineteen twenty. Um <clears throat> it's that at this stage of the season, it keeps I keep saying this, it's like you're building a challenge at this point. You know, and right now, as far as building a challenge goes, no one else has done it better. And, and City are only only a point better off than us, and this is the team that we're that we're worried about accelerating away from us. I'm quite it makes me feel dead good about it if I'm being honest because yeah, I look at how far away yeah, we are you're right and, but we react week by week game yeah. by game there's times in the season where you can sit and take stock and this is one of those times heading into an international break and taking stock at this point is of course we're in a good position of course we can you know we're not reacting to every little decision every little result and stuff but it doesn't change my opinion that our way form hasn't been good enough Yeah, because taking stock of what's happened over the course of the full season, it's just not. Crystal Palace's away form's better than ours. Like, you know what I mean? There's, there's, there is clear area for improvement. I can look at the Anfield and go, there's no area for improvement there. Yeah. We're absolutely sound there. This is what I need Liverpool to do for us now. And I think, I think some of it might come from the fact that there are a lot of new players and there are a lot of new stadiums being played in for the first time and how you're handling the crowds and stuff like that because you know we just have to look at the the goals conceded i think we've we've conceded two maybe at anfield and eight yeah. away from home you know it's quite a big difference isn't it in, yeah. you know in the grand scheme of things i don't think it'll take much for us to change the form there is probably a little bit of belief that's needed i think you go know, maybe you know, you get lucky and you get three wins back to back to back away from home and then all of a sudden it's a, it's a non-issue. But we still need to do that first. You need to put that first foot forwards and go and do something. It's a, What it feels to me like is, I think the stages of becoming a title challenging team, that you you need to change defeats into draws and then you need to turn draws into wins. And, you know, we've had, and that's often where we've fallen foul is we've made it to that second stage. That's a top four team, by the way, a team that, you know, that does that, that you generally finish in the top four, but a title challenge is one you need to go above and beyond. Um, and I, I, I agree with you. That I think that when you look at it, look, we're eighth in the away table, as it were, and you're dead right. Palace, Palace are in seventh above us. Everton have got a better yeah. away record than, than Liverpool so far this season. Um, 
Tottenham are top of the pile, but like Tottenham are top of the pile, but we're above Tottenham in the league. You know what I mean? And the, the, the thing where I'm encouraged about it all and I'm not like, again, downbeat and I'm quite positive and not so positive that I'm getting fucking... 20 tattooed on me anywhere or getting carried away I'm going to be I'm not going to be starting check we're going to win the league on the terraces or anything stupid like that but in terms of just getting the positive vibes and the positive feelings I'm astounded with the way this high up the table because we drew with Luton last week yeah. and so everyone's right to be wound up by that but at the same token that's totally counterbalanced out for me of going we are we're meant to be like a transitional team. This is meant to be our building season and we're right in the mix all of a sudden and the teams who are also in and around, I'm starting to look at them and going, I don't see anyone else running away with this and that includes Man City as well, by the way. I'm not I'm not asked about Tottenham and Chelsea no, no, no. and Arsenal and none of those teams. Like it's, it's us and Manchester City again going for it and it's how long we can hold on to their coattails for, to be honest, before we get that belief that we can truly go and win the league. And that's that's why I think the, the away form should be talked about and why it should be a focus for them because we're so close. Yeah. Like, and you just can't... We've seen, we've had... Bobby Firmino said it was it 2017 till 2020 he thinks we were the best team in the world yeah. but what did we win in those years we won the league once yeah. you, you, when you get close you've got to take advantage of those years because you don't know how long it's going to be mm. you want to win multiple league titles back to backs yeah. and you know multiple Champions Leagues and stuff like that because anything can happen and derail a season and you're fucking relying on a goalkeeper scoring you a goal to get back in the top four yeah. so take advantage while yeah. you're in it yeah. rather than I still appreciate what we've done I still recognise it as a, a transition se- uh, s- season but my word we are we're good enough to win the league so let's go and fucking do it yeah, and how do you do it improve the waveform the yeah. thing is is we, we've always spoke about to beat Manchester City you've got to start really really good because if, if they even get a little bit of a gap chasing them feels exhausting yeah. it feels like what I imagine you know if if it, the roles uh, the, it was reversed and that season where we just completely wiped them out of the, the, the way it was like you sit there and you watch every game it's five minutes in it's three nil and you're like and it's like it's so frustrating or they get you know away with a handball ever in the last minute where it should be a it is exhausting trying to keep up with them so it is really good that you're in you know a point off is sound even even three when you have to play them you know it's it's fine you need to make sure that nothing is out um of of the race by December because then it becomes what are we actually going for? Are we okay with just being a, a fourth? Which I think at the beginning, well, so, if we so, also sorry, four, just shoot for first and if you finish yeah, second, exactly. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think having ahead of schedule on this, so just yes, to say, yeah. I, I really do. And your point about transition season, absolutely right. But at the same time, when you get to this point, even now, this early in the season, you have a look and you go, Tell you what, there's a chance here. Albeit yeah. we're not expected to win the league. I'm now in the position where I've seen what we've got to offer, I've seen what the others around us have got to offer, and it's not going to take a 98, 97, 96-point season. Bad looks of it, and definitely won't almost, you know what I mean? So is this side under Jurgen Klopp capable of getting 85, 86? Yeah, and that might win the league. Yeah, and, and this is kind of my point about this, is getting carried away one with one way or the other. Liverpool absolutely can challenge, but I, I don't. I think this idea that like the, it's, like it's a huge, the away form's a huge problem is not as not as big either. I don't think we're going to piss the league, and I don't think the away form is so bad that we're fucked as a result of it. Because just to give an alternate spin on this, if we got that draw against Tottenham Hotspur, we would be third in the away form table, the same as Manchester City. And we'd be joined top on points with them. And that's their, their moments that are out of your control. That's not Liverpool being crap. That was a referee 
a refereeing error is the reason why we're not yeah. potentially joint top of the league and then the away form doesn't matter and that's a fucking random let me give you an, ball, ball, ball let me give you an reality check if we'd won against Luton we'd be top yeah. oh yeah, yeah you know what I mean that's that's exactly, that, 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 that was ours that was ours yeah, but we could have won that exactly. game of footy but you lose football, teams lose football games everyone drops points mm. that that mad random set of circumstances if that had happened to City and they were above us no one would be saying City's away form is absolutely fucking horrendous you'd be just presuming they'd carry on and be getting, they're getting the points this yeah. is why sorry this is why I factor in last season and even the Toulouse game midweek into this away form conversation because I think you're right the extenuating circumstances that we're talking about here and the fact you can just play Badly, i.e. Luton, one game every now and then. But when you look at last season, your eighth form and the Toulouse game, then you do start to wonder: is there a problem here? Personally? Oh yeah. And look, bear, bear in mind, by the way, Man City got knocked out of the, the League Cup in this process. We played another game of football. Then we're we're we're, we're further towards another piece of silverware to them in this question. So again, again, it's perspective, isn't it? It is far too early. I'm the one who've been saying it for, for donkey's years. Don't look at it till 10 games gone and certainly don't think you're in a title race until 10 games from, from the end. But um, I'm absolutely made up. I mean, someone put a tweet, I think it was the Liverpool LFC transfer room, uh, points from first 12 matches in the Premier League. In 1890, we had 30. In 1920, we had 34, which is frankly ridiculous. In 2021, we had 25. 21, 22, 25. Last season, 16. And this season... 25 so you know if, if nothing else on there in terms of people forget the covid season 27 this season 27 yeah so from the from the from the covid season we were it ended horrendously because we collapsed around christmas which yeah. again we'll live in all of our nightmares forever and ever but we were flying we were top of the league going into the christmas period at that time form, then. and the yeah <laughs> and then the uh, and the co and the the quadruple season where we, again we missed out on the title by a point we were, were two points better off than we were at this at this stage the, in that season. the thing i would say is i don't think we've been brilliant in like really brilliant in any of those away games i, I think spears is possibly the maybe i mean just because of the fact that we had to go down to nine men and i thought we gave absolutely everything but like i missed wolves and brighton out of there brighton the first half we were absolutely awful for mm -hmm. awful absolutely i don't know how we went into half time at 2-1 up i've got not a clue once again could gross pascal gross being a sense off yeah he, he probably could have um but we we dropped points there um wolves we turned it around we were absolutely awful and we had to turn it around in that second half we came out a lot better but it took andy robbo scoring a goal Harvey Elliott stepping up Cody Gakpo in that moment so we've we've like you Man mentioned Man City got beat at Wolves yes they did but like you mentioned we there we've you know the, the kind of comebacks that we made yeah, in the yeah. year we won it like we have sort of been doing that away yeah. from home with the Newcastles yeah. with the Wolves the problem is I don't think the performances are good enough but that is something you can improve on and once we do improve on that we'll we should be picking exactly. up the points. Exactly. That and that that's the overall thing on this. Yeah. We'll go back to mm -hmm. it. Let's go back to the rebuild transition thing. You know, Ryan Gavinbase did not have a preseason for us. God knows what is it, you know, if he's going to be back anytime soon. But you know, we've had to deal with the red cards, we've had to deal with a, a couple of little bits and pieces of injuries and what have you. Everyone does the injuries thing, by the way. Everyone has them. But you know, a little bit of additional adversity in those fucking Lewis Lewis I mean, Lewis Diaz having a goal disallowed for no for no reason whatsoever when it was an actual goal and without Listen to, listening to trivialise it effectively having his head off his arse for three games yeah. because he's got his dad kidnapped it's not normal circumstances that footballers have to have to kind of deal with um, there's been a lot of things that have gone against us already that we've ridden and we're at this level we're so far and above where I thought we should be I really thought we'd be around fourth if you can just cling around fourth for the first half of the season 
get that boxed, have a decent cup run and see where you like. Obviously, try and win the Europa League, make sure you get into the Champions League, see where you like. Great, so far, so good for me, for, for Liverpool, because any of the fears historically under Klopp will get will just get better. Yeah. They'll establish themselves more and we'll win more points and we'll score more goals and have more things. If you're being a bit jammy, it can go one or two ways, but if you're also being dominant in other areas of the game, that tends to inform that you'll get better at that thing. Whereas like we're going to talk about Manchester United on the biased. They're in they're the they're the informed team in the Premier League. Wild. Does anyone think that they're good enough to be is that yeah Everyone should be shocked and amazed that that's a fact, but it remains a fact. Um, okay, I think that will do us for that section, certainly. Uh, we're going to be doing Chelsea versus Man City, by the way, on the bias, because what a wild game that was. Uh, we're, and we're also going to do, to continue this conversation on, what's going to stop City, Arsenal and Spurs from winning the league, by the way. And the simple answer oh, is Liverpool. We have got a competition uh, before we go. Uh, we've got a football's finest competition. That's just how good the competition is. Um, we've offered you guys uh, the chance to win a Liverpool FC team pass of their little little miniature Liverpool figurines. We've got an incredibly um, well thought out system for how we're going to pick the winner here. Um, So uh, yeah, big thanks to uh, Soccer Stars for this this prize, by the way. Um, I am going to swipe on the comments (laughs) and we're going to pick someone at random here. It doesn't get, we can bring this up on screen. I I, I wanted this to be as clear as possible. (laughs) This is what we're doing. I'm going to scroll up to the top and I'm going to give it a swipe. All right. Oh. And it's going to load. And then we're going to tell you to stop, remember? I just bet it's done. Okay, um, done. No, I'll oh, no, say, well, you know, you're right. You're, yeah, you're right. right. Apologies to who I landed on because you've just been absolutely <laughs> shafted by Chris Page out there. Um, <laughs> go on, go on. Okay, you you uh, yeah, okay. Are you scrolling? I'm scrolling. Is he still scrolling, he's though? Scrolling, yeah, I can see. Are you 100% sure? 100% yeah. sure he's right. scrolling. Yeah, I can stop. See. How many on the screen? A three. Uh, top, middle, or bottom? Uh, Chloe. Top, middle, or bottom? Okay. So you say top, middle, or bottom? It's got to be bottom, hasn't it? He's a big fan of the bottom. Okay. Uh, Natalie Elizabeth Joyce. Oh, is it? Who is it? The one who's, is the person tagged or the person who's the person who's commented? Okay, so JJ eighty six. Unlucky Natalie. Yeah. As you tagged Natalie Elizabeth Joyce, you apparently yeah. Well done, well done, JJ. We've nailed this, by the way. <laughs> Absolutely nailed it. Thank you so well much. Congratulations, your Liverpool FC team pack for twenty two, uh, twenty three, twenty four uh, from Soccer Stars is going to be. Who gave us no salad there, by the way? Yeah, absolutely the wonderful most. Which, because of the lens that we use, looks tiny, but it is absolutely heavy as Um, that was like his finishing move that Um, right uh, that is the podcast for this week come and join us over on redmenplus.com if you want to get it half price for the next two months see out the year in style Uh, use the code BIASED B-I-A-S-E-D and get a monthly captain subscription for half price for the next two months Uh, redmenplus.com come and join us it's going to be fun because we're going to laugh at Man United and we're going to decide why Chelsea are really um, good and why City are shite Um, join us it'll be fun bye